I want to ask you this morning, in the light of all that God has said through the word of prophecies, did you come to church with an expectation this morning to meet with God? The word of God is God's most powerful instrument for changing his people and changing the world. Is your heart ready for God's word this morning? Jesus told a parable about the sower who went out to sow. And in that parable there were four kinds of hearts. And that is the truth about life. When we preach and plant the word of God, it's not every heart that receives the word of God. And it's not even every heart that receives it that lives by it. We have different kinds of soil. But there was a seed that fell on the good soil. It brought forth fruits in 34, 64, and 100 fold. Is your heart that good soil? If the word of God comes to you this morning, will it bear the fruit? Of repentance, salvation, commitment, faithfulness. What kind of fruit will the word of God bear in your heart today? I ask you to examine your heart all by yourself this morning. Can you say, Lord, give me a heart that loves to hear and do your word. Lord, bless me with a heart that trembles at your word. Lord, bless me with a heart that values and treasures your word. David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. David said, thy word is a lamp and a light to me. What is God's word to you? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. If we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and and open for there's no To be happy in Jesus, trust His word, obey His words. Are you ready to be happy in Jesus? 
when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he brings our way. When we live a life of obedience to God's word, God beautifies our lives with his glory. Are you willing to be that Christian that we walk with the Lord in the light of his word? Lord, this morning we've gathered again to worship you, to hear your word, and to be sent forth back to the world to be your witnesses and ambassadors. Lord, we ask this morning you will speak to us again. Holy Spirit, let every heart here be focused on God. I ask that every wandering thought, every anxiety of the mind, that we cause God's word not to settle in our heart. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that every heart, every soul be silent in your presence this morning. And let your word come unto us like water that drops on a dry ground. Let our hearts absorb your word. And may your word change us into the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' powerful name, we have prayed. Amen. And amen. I would like to do a brief summary of what we've said since Friday. Because if you don't have a background to what we've been saying, you won't be able to profit in this morning's sermon very well. It's been a structured teaching beginning that, that started on Friday. And we are rounding it up this morning. So for your sake, I will do a brief summary. The theme of this weekend revival is Kingdom Lifestyle. And then on Friday, we did a talk on the Kingdom of God. What is it? And the summary of all that, if we are talking about a Kingdom Lifestyle, then there is a Kingdom. And what is that Kingdom? And we say that the primary reason why Jesus came to the world was to set up the kingdom of God. Jesus was born as a king, the king of the Jews. And so the coming of Jesus was the coming of the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus' first sermon was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we said, why? The kingdom of God is the coming of the rule of righteousness, justice, peace, prosperity. The, there was a kingdom before now. And we painted a picture. The kingdom of God is where God rules. That the Garden of Eden was the picture of the first kingdom. The Garden of Eden was a perfect picture of how God wanted life to be on earth. God put in place everything that man needed to live a good life. Nothing was lacking. And eventually he created man. 
And when he created man, the Garden of Eden was the most beautiful place on earth. No tourist site on earth can compare with the beauty of the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. Man had everything he wanted. But at the point of deceit and the fall of man, the devil took over that life. Man was chased away out of the garden. That peaceful, prosperous life where there is worship and fellowship with God, man lost it. Life became a burden. Life became a cause. Suffering came. Wickedness came. Bloodshed came. Everything in the Garden of Eden, even animals were not killing themselves. Animals were not eating themselves in the garden. And so, God, the devil took over the world and became the king of this world. And that is why when Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter 4, he said to Satan, look at all the kingdom of the world, his glory and everything. Just bow down and worship me and I will give you the world. And Jesus says, sorry, you are an imposter. You want to give me what is mine. I have come to take this kingdom and I won't take it through shortcut. I'll go to the cross and defeat you in a war, in a battle. You know, two kingdoms are at work. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world is the rule of evil perpetuated by the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus came to set up this kingdom where life will come back to the way God intended it right from the beginning. But Jesus said, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, the only way to become a citizen in this kingdom is through repentance. You have to repent before you can enter into the kingdom. That's why the first message Jesus preached was repentance. Repentance. I will say to ourselves, it's possible to be a church goer, but you are not a member of God's kingdom. It's possible to be very committed to church activities. You are there prayer meeting, Bible study, conference, but you are not a member of this kingdom. That's why Jesus said on the last day, many will come and say, did we not do this in your name? He said, I don't know you. Where is your citizenship ID? I don't know you. You are not a member of my kingdom. You did not repent. Every man born into this world is born in sin. So for us to move out from the kingdom of darkness, that's why I, I like the, the phrase that Apostle Paul You say, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of what? Light. We have changed citizenship. Everyone born in this life is a citizen of the kingdom of darkness by reason of sin. So we need to be translated from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. It takes place through repentance. What we call salvation. Or what we call being born again. That is the kingdom of God, where there is rule of righteousness, where things are done right. And this kingdom of God is bigger 
than the church. We say the church as we gather here, we are just a representation of people who have become citizens of the kingdom. But the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God is the totality of all God's redemptive work going on on earth. God is not only redeeming human beings. God is not only redeeming our souls. God is redeeming our evil cultures. And that is why when Christianity came, it transformed all the ungodly cultures we have in Nigeria, especially in the south, south, east, south, southern, southwest. You know it was the, the gospel of the kingdom that stopped the killing of twins. I hope you know that. It's the gospel of the kingdom that stopped what we call Osu Kest. It's the gospel of the Lord that stopped slavery all over the world. Nations of the world made policies that abolished slavery. It's the kingdom of God that stopped I challenge some of you to read mission stories. William Carey was the missionary to India. In India, before William Carey came, when a man dies, they bury his wives alive with him. That was the culture in India. He battled with that. And he stopped that. The kingdom of God transforms culture. The kingdom of God transforms society, governance. The kingdom of God transforms our economy. It transforms our environment. All everything we do in life today, you can see the touch of the kingdom of God in it. The rule of justice is the kingdom of God. Because God is a righteous judge. The rule of law is a product of the kingdom of God. That's why everything we have in the western world was shaped by the gospel. And so Jesus has come to restore the world back to its original state. It's just like those of us who have electronic gadgets. You know, when your electronic gadget is misbehaving, you can restore it back to factory mode. True or false? The way it was designed to function by the company that produces it. The kingdom of God has come to, to, to transform our life, our public life, societal life. So being born again or being saved, so Jesus didn't just come from heaven to save my soul. That's not what Jesus came. He came to establish the kingdom of God. So my salvation is just the point from where I enter into that kingdom. So what Jesus came to do is bigger than just saving you. Jesus has come so that there will be no more corruption in our public service. No more shedding of innocent blood. No more atrocities in society. So what we did was to show us what God's kingdom is and what is our role in that. And then Saturday morning we did another topic that said discipleship the tool for advancing the kingdom of God. Discipleship is a tool, is a means to an end. 
When Jesus came, he came to set up a kingdom. That's why everything Jesus said is always the kingdom. When he taught us how to pray, pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom Every parable Jesus taught, he said, the kingdom of God is like a sower who went out to sow. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The smallest of the seed. But when it germinates, it grows and becomes big. And the best of end ends there. The kingdom of God starts small. It's not one big thing that happens. Look at the size of the church in Nigeria. As we are sitting down here, I am sure in Enugu State alone, there is more than 1.5 million people sitting in churches worshipping this morning. Do you know anything about how Christianity came to Igbo land? Have you read our history? And how Christianity came to Enugu? Christianity came to Enugu first in 1904. In here. But look at now, all the churches here. It's like a mustard seed. It starts small, it grows, it grows, and it becomes huge. A few young graduates came from Great Britain, from United Kingdom, as CMS, Church Missionary Society, that planted Anglican Church. You can count them on your fingertips. But here is Anglican Church all over Africa. Anglican Church... Church of Nigeria is the strongest and the largest and the biggest arm of Anglican church all over the world. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And we say discipleship is a tool for training people that will advance. Jesus just trained 12 men. And one of them was a traitor, Judas. Those 11 men turned the world upside down. That's what we are told. 11 men turned the world upside down. And we say to ourselves, what is discipleship? Discipleship is not just a, 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 a spiritual training program. How to do quiet time, assurance of salvation is good. But discipleship is much more than that. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught these 12 men. And he said, I said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to observe everything I have taught you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son. So, discipleship is a training that you do to equip people for the work of the kingdom. It's not just a self-serving tool. And we said yesterday that the problem with the church. We are discipling Christians for church service. We are not discipling them for work in the world. Jesus discipled men and sent them to the world. The church is an organization that does not exist to serve itself. The church is the only company. The only organization that exists to serve others. We are to be salt and light of the earth, not of the church. 
We are not to be light of the church. We are the light of the world. When you become a Christian, you enroll, you become a citizen of the kingdom. But discipleship is a training. It's a spiritual training because you spend time with God. It's a military training. It's a training to die. It's a training to, social training to engage the society. So discipleship is not only teaching you how to do quiet time, assurance of salvation, speaking in tongues, and all those things. There is more to that. And the people who brought Christianity to us in Africa were disciples. They were trained to die. They left England with all civilization and came to Africa where there was no single civilization. No road, no light, no house, no water. You know, they used to call us in those days, Africans, we are monkeys, we live on top of trees. Why the, the, the European powers were sharing Africa as their colonies? The churches in Europe sent disciples to come and do what? Make disciples of Nigeria. And we challenged ourselves that through discipleship we raise leaders. Not leaders by position or title, but leaders by quality and influence of their life. When Jesus said, Go ye into the world and will make disciples. He was, he was giving them a command. That was a, 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 a general, you know, Jesus is the, is the, is the field marshal of the church. He, he, he is the chief, chief of everything. So it's a military. When he, Jesus said, go and take the world for me as warfare. I have trained you to go into the world, into another kingdom. Take that kingdom back to me. I say discipleship is military training. That's why we need to be strategic the way we do missions. Our missions should be well thought out, well planned. If we enter into a community, we take that community for Jesus. Not only by building a church and having church service. We take over their cultural values. We transform it. We take over their community life. We transform it. We take over the leadership of their community through the power of a godly lifestyle. That's what discipleship is all about. And we ask you, are you a disciple? What has your life done for the kingdom of God? What have you contributed to advancing this kingdom? Many have died to preach this gospel. Many have starved themselves to death. Many have given royal privileges. And then last night we talked about kingdom mentality. Kingdom mentality. If you are a member of this kingdom, you think about the kingdom first. We saw it in Jesus. For Jesus, everything was about the kingdom. He taught us, seek you first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. He began by telling them not to worry. That was part of the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about what you wear. Is life not more important than food? Is life not more important than clothing? The God whom we serve is a father. Every responsible father 
does not need to wait for the children to ask for me. You know, I need to provide for Sometimes when we call God Father, we are not conscious of that fact. Is there any father here more responsible, more caring than God? We worry so much about ordinary things of life. And we relegate the kingdom behind. And we say that if you are a member of this kingdom, in every decision of life you make, how does it affect the kingdom of God? The choices you make every day, how does it affect the kingdom? When you are choosing a career, are you choosing it just to achieve human success? Achieve your ego? Achieve social status? Are you thinking, how can I use this career to advance the kingdom of God? When you are thinking of business, want to be a businessman, a businesswoman, are you thinking of it because business is about making money? Are you thinking of being a businessman or because I want to use my business to proclaim the kingdom of God? For us, we just do business. I want to be rich. I want to make money. We have Christians who do not value their citizenship of the kingdom. They don't value the kingdom they belong to. In Nigeria, we are living with the pain and agony of everybody crying out Muslim agenda, Islamic agenda. Those people understand the principles of a kingdom. In this earth, there is no one kingdom. Every kingdom wants to conquer and destroy the other kingdom. Including the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God wants to conquer the kingdom of darkness and take it over. That's why Jesus came. When you see Muslims in government, their number one agenda is Islam. How do I use my political position to drive Islam? But when the Christians get there, <laughs> their number one agenda is their political career. I want to protect my political career. And we are here crying Islamic agenda. Because our own politicians don't have kingdom agenda. They don't even belong to the kingdom. They are just churchgoers. They don't have an agenda. If you make a Muslim DG, the agenda of any public parastata, <laughs> before he comes, if there's no mosque there, there must be a mosque where they pray. And then he, as he's there, he has planned, as he's going out, another Muslim will step in. They, they, they understand the kingdom principles. They understand what it means to make their kingdom priority. Unfortunately, their kingdom is part of the kingdom of darkness. But here we are, Christians, who, who belong to the kingdom of life, the kingdom of power, the kingdom of love and righteousness. We only work to earn a living. My job is more important to me. I just want to protect my job. I don't want to do anything that will put me at risk. If not that some people made the kingdom of God their first priority, you will not be sitting here as a Christian. Because some people sought the kingdom of God first. That's why you're a Christian today. That's why you went to school. Do you know that all the schools that came to Nigeria, it was the missionaries that brought education to Nigeria. They brought all the schools. The kingdom of God is not only interested in spiritual, but the holistic transformation. 
And so this morning, we'll be rounding it up by talking about integrity in the workplace. Integrity in the workplace. How we can use our workplace to advance the kingdom of God. And the objective of this message this morning is to show us that our work is spiritual. Work is as spiritual as praying and fasting. Work is as spiritual as preaching the gospel and doing quiet time. We live at a time that the devil has sold us a lie. What we call sacred and secular. A divide. If I ask many of you now, you say I'm doing a secular job. Some of you still sitting down here believe you are doing a secular job. In the kingdom of God, there is nothing like secular job. Every job is spiritual. Both the, clar- the clergy work and the teacher and the civil servant, the mechanic, the driver, the, the doctor, the nurses, the architects, and the we are all doing spiritual work. Because each work is equally important to the kingdom. It is not only through the clergy that the kingdom of God is advanced. The kingdom of God is advanced by every child of God. So please stop telling yourself, I am doing a spiritual, a sacred job. That's why you hear Christians say, ah, ah, this one no be church, this one a business. Eh? Let's leave church out of it, this one is business. How can you leave church out of business? Who is the author of business? God is the author of business. We told ourselves that every ethical job on earth, God originated it. Did you notice some of the parables of the kingdom? In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave a parable of the talent. A man went to a far country to obtain a kingdom. And he called his servants. He gave one five talents. He gave the other one two talents. He gave one five talents. One. The one who was giving five doubled it. And he got promoted. The one who was giving two doubled it. The one who was giving one hid it. <laughs> and he said, you see, my anger with you is not that you, you kept my investment correct. You, if you didn't want to invest it, you should have put it in bank. So they can bear interest for me. Our God is a businessman. He's an investor. God is the author of business. The ones he gave her talent put it back. And they turned the capital over twice. The one he gave two talents turned it over. And the world lent reward for excellence from God. When you work in companies or places where they reward merit, once you do well, you are what? Promoted. God said to the one who has ten, you will be in charge of ten uh, uh, things in my kingdom. There was reward for hard work. The world did not learn reward. Reward system began with God. And I want to say that, do you know what it means when you say you're doing a secular job? I challenge you when you go back, go and look 
in the dictionary what secular means. Go and check the meaning of the word secular. Secular means something that God is not a part of. Secular means something that is godless. When we say our constitution says Nigeria is a secular country. What is saying? Nigeria is a country where they do not need God in the way we govern the nation. And see how we are. We don't want God to be a part of our country. We are a secular country. Can I ask you? How can you be doing a godless job and then you are a Christian who comes to church every Sunday? No job is is a secular job before God, except some immoral jobs like prostitution or sorcery and magic. God is not a part of those ones. But every work we do on earth, buying and selling, trading, civil service, professional practice, you are an artisan, you repair things, you are a teller, you are a carpenter, you are a builder. Every single of that work is godly. Because God is the author of all things. Two Sundays ago, back in Joss, I was teaching and I was speaking to the young people about dressing. And I said to them, we are so pained in the church that our youth copy more from the world than from the church. Your heroes are people you see on TV. You dress like them. You bob your hair like them. Both the boys and girls. And I say to them, this, you people have followed fashion instead of clothing. I say to them, do you know who invented clothing? I say, God is the author of clothing. God invented clothes in Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve fell, before they fell, they were naked. They didn't know they were naked. But when they fell, they discovered they were naked. And God killed an animal. And made clothing and covered their nakedness. I say any cloth you wear that exposes you, you are not clothed. Because when God invented clothing, it is to cover nakedness. So, Young girl, young boy, when you dress, before you go out, go to the mirror and say, Lord, do I have your permission to go out like this? That's what it means to be a member of the kingdom. You no longer belong to yourself. We are crazy about fashion and we've forgotten clothing. God is your... So if you are a teller, a Christian teller, and you sew fashion that doesn't cover people's nakedness, you are still in the kingdom of darkness. You are not advancing the kingdom. When you are a tailor and you are sewing fashion clothes that expose the nakedness of men and women, you are not like God. And I said to them, when you are a tailor and you sew clothes and it's disjointed, the button doesn't close well, the thing looks one kind awkward, you don't have the spirit of God because God created us in his image to be like him. God has a touch of excellence in everything he does. So everything you do, do it excellently. Today we want to talk about work. When you study the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, 
The first encounter with God is that God was walking. The whole of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God was walking. We serve a God that walks. So walk is not ungodly. Walk is godly. Everything you have on earth today, God created. It was through walk that God began his kingdom on earth. Remember I told you the, the Garden of Eden was the first kingdom where God rose. Everything was right, holy. God began his kingdom by walking. So Christians hear me this morning. We serve a God who is a walker. If you look at everything God put in the garden, you'll be amazed. Our God is a development expert. The Bible says when God, the Spirit of God was hovering all over the world and the world was without form. Nothing works. Our God came everywhere disorganized. Our God is a fantastic organizer. He's a fantastic administrator. The first thing he created was light. I want to see the environment. Light. Everything that is about light today is about energy sector in an economy. The power and gas, the electricity, all kinds of things. The renewable energy, solar energy, God is the author of all those things. He was the first person that made light. Light is source of power and life. Where there's no light, there's no life. The plants can produce. Man will die of hunger. So our God is both an engineer and a scientist. When our God finished creating the light, he divided them. One to rule the night and one to rule the day. And God made it that way. The moon, the sun, the stars. And he put it there. So, if you belong to those who study Physics and astronomy. Our God was a physicist. Our God was first an astronaut. Before the US, USSR and United States went to the moon. God was there already. And our God made the waters. And they were everywhere. So, it's not like that. He separated the waters. Kept the waters and had the land. Our God was a marine engineer. Our God was an oceanographer. Whatever you think of it, then he made the land and put on everything. Our God, and put all the things we have today. Our God was and is a geologist, a zoologist. He put all the plants He put all the animals. Zoology. 
I don't know if you are following me. Our God is the author of all knowledge. All work. So we want you to start seeing work from God's perspective. You don't just work to earn a living. We work to glorify God. And every work we do is a continuation of God's work. When God finished creating everything, the world fell. And God moved from being a creator to becoming what? A redeemer. There are two key things that identifies our God. He's a creator and a redeemer. Everything he created fell due to sin. So God began his redemptive work. Our God is a redeemer. He put the plan of redemption in the garden. How to redeem the entire creation. Everything that goes bad, God fixes it. Do you know if you work in the medical sector, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, pharmacist, radiographer, ward maid, whatever, you are extending God's work of redemption. You are helping to redeem the health of people. You are fixing people's lives that is bad. You are a co-redeemer with God. Because you are saving lives. And Jesus came to earth to save lives and the world. Do you know if you are a mechanic, you are also a co-redeemer. You are fixing cars that God bad. You are a co-redeemer. Hmm? I want your eyes to see what work is all about. Work is not all about making money. When I'm working, I'm God's partner. All that God is doing on earth today is redemptive work. Redemptive work. If you're a mechanic, repairing car, repairing machine, you are fixing tire, you are fixing this, you are a redeemer. You are helping to fix things that go wrong. So, we want to see how work is a part and work is the greatest opportunity or platform we need to change the world from the kingdom perspective. So, follow me as we read some scriptures. Everything you do in life, you are a co-redeemer with God. When you are teaching people good morals, teaching them civic education, responsible citizenship, you are a co-redeemer because human beings have gotten to a point where we are so selfish and corrupt, bad morals. We are trying to restore our morality. Now, I'll read a few passages and then I will run. The way I'm feeling this morning is to just talk to you from my heart and stay our hearts so that we understand what work is all about. God is the author of work, not the devil. 
God is the author of work. If you are a farmer or you are selling food items, you are a co-redeemer with God. Because you want to make sure there is food for human beings to eat. When God chased Adam out of the garden, Adam used to eat food, food without any stress. So when you are applying fertilizer in your work, is it the specified fertilizer for this? Or you just want a fertilizer that will give you bigger yield? And people keep eating. Most of the cancer we have today is because of what we eat. Will God poison people in the name of business? He will not. When you are selling food, you run a restaurant and you say sour food and somebody eats and eats food poison. Start purging for days and can die. You are no longer a co-redeemer with God. Because for you, what matters is the money I'm making. I don't want to lose my money. When your food goes bad, don't sell it. Trust God to reward you back. Do what is right. We are talking about integrity in the workplace. When you are a teacher in the educational sector, you are a co-redeemer with God. Because education is about developing our mind. When man fell in the garden of Eden, we lost everything. That's why education produces doctors, engineers, architects, geologists, nurses, teachers, and all of us work together to advance the kingdom of God. Today you sit in a beautiful church. An architect designed it. Today you sit in a beautiful church with lights. Electrical engineers designed it. I'm speaking with a microphone and you can hear me from the loudspeaker. A engineer, we are all part of God. God wants to use engineering to advance his kingdom. Follow me to Titus chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. Integrity in the workplace. If the Lord helps us to grasp what work is all about. Jesus said, my father works even now, so I work. If you are there with me, I want to read. Titus chapter 2. The whole of Titus chapter 2 was Paul writing Titus how to disciple church members. What to teach to elderly men. What to teach to elderly women. What to teach to young widows. What to teach to young men. And he now came to workers. But in those days they called them bond servants. Titus chapter 2 verse 9 says, Exhort bond servants to be obedient to, the, to their own masters. To be well pleasing in all things. Not answering back. Not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. We are talking about kingdom lifestyle. Paul was teaching Titus to say, teach your church members, they belong to the kingdom of God, the way they walk must be different from the way others walk. He said, teach them one. There are so many things. Number one here. To be what? To be obedient to their master. That is the authority of their employer. What does that mean? To follow instructions. To comply with ethics of your job. 
the, to, to comply with industrial standards. If you are a civil servant, there is a code of conduct. How to be a civil servant. Is that how you work? Government pays us to go to work by 8 o'clock and close by 4. Many people don't go to work until 9.10. When they go to work, they go for school run, they disappear, they won't come back. After all, it's government work. Nobody is watching. You are paid to work for 8 hours. You work 3 hours. Nobody comes to supervise you. Industrial standard. You are into production. There is standards that industry say must put. That's why we have all over Nigeria fake products. Both imported one and the one we produce here. Why? We want to make fast money. We want to make it. Standard Organization of Nigeria has given standards in every sector of the economy. But we just produce anything and sell it. He said we have to be obedient to our masters. We have to follow ethics. We have to pay taxes. How many of us Christians who are self-employed, entrepreneurs, pay tax? It's only civil servants that pay correct tax in this country. Because nobody monitors your income. Nobody knows what you earn. So you avoid paying tax. So it's not only politicians that are corrupt. We are equally corrupt. When you start a business, you should file your tax as a business Every young business is protected from tax. Maybe they give you two years or three years tax leave. But you give, do you prepare honest and sincere financial statements that the tax office will use to tax you? We cover it. <laughs> we cheat government. When you cheat government, you are cheating God. I hope you know that. God is in charge of all government. Both those who are corrupt and those who are godly. Every government is working for God. The Bible says there is no authority without God. So don't say this is not government work. That's what we say in Nigeria. No, my papa work. Government work for us Christians is our papa work. Because government work is part of what God is trying to use to advance his kingdom. He went for to say to be well pleasing in all things. What does it mean to be well? To be excellent. Your performance. You are a staff that the company don't want to lose. You contribute so much to the growth of the company. You become like Joseph. Now let me tell you, I want you to begin to see how work happens. Joseph was a slave boy in the house of Potiphar. He was so good. The Bible says God increased the businesses of Potiphar. Potiphar was so pleased with, with his excellence and productivity and hard work, he made him the overall manager of all his businesses. And nothing was at a loss. Integrity in the workplace. And you know that God used that integrity of Joseph's heart to save a whole nation. And to save God's agenda for the world. I don't know if you know that. Because Joseph, because he was so good. From Potiphar's house to prison. And from prison to Pharaoh's palace and prime minister. He saved Egypt from seven years of drugs. But most importantly, he, he saved God's agenda for the world. 
his father Jacob and his brothers came to buy food. If there was no food in Egypt, Jacob and his house would have been wiped out. And God's agenda for the world would have been stopped. God works with individuals, with household, with a nation, and with his body of Christ. God began working with Jacob. And there was starvation all over the world. But because of one young man who had integrity at work, God saved the nation of Egypt. Saved God's agenda for the world. God is looking out for those who are honest in their workplace. You don't know how God is going to use you to save Nigeria. You never know. You never know. By the way, God used Joseph to give the world irrigation technology and silos for saving grains. I don't know if someone's eyes is opening this morning. Our work is spiritual. It's not secular. God is the author of agri-engineering and agri-economics. Through Joseph, he gave the word irrigation technology. Today, you don't need to have rainfall. With irrigation, you can farm 12 months in a year and have enough food. And the seven years of harvest, they learned how to store grains. So when you go all over Nigeria and see, you know, grain silos where they stored food, God gave the world. So Joseph was a co-redeemer with God, saving God's world. Saving God's world. Today you still have Egypt. If that drought for seven years has happened and there was no food, there will be no country called Egypt today. And you know what? There will have no place to take Jesus for safety when Herod wanted to kill him. Joseph and Mary carried Jesus to Egypt for safety. Every work you do, God uses it to advance his kingdom. You don't even know it. You don't even know it. Your work is as spiritual as praying. Is as spiritual as fasting. Is as spiritual as work, soul winning and evangelism. Stop treating your work as secular. No work is secular. Because God uses all work to advance his kingdom. What else did Paul teach them? He says, not answering back. What does he know as a conflict? Conflict. When there is conflict between uh, employer and employee. What we call today that have turned into Nigerian Labor Congress. Trade Union Congress. And all those things. Those things were formed to handle conflict. But in the days Paul was writing... There were no labor unions. I wish I had time to talk on labor unions this morning. Yesterday I told them it was a Christian that started labor union in United Kingdom. Over 200 years ago. I've forgotten his name. He's a Methodist church businessman. And peasants, you call them peasants, people work as slaves. They are not well paid and they don't have time to develop them. Somebody goes to work 7 in the morning and walked he ate in the night. And yet, he cannot improve his, his life 5, 10, 20, 30 years. Slavish labor. So you have to develop labor union where you seek the wealth of workers. I once engaged a dear brother in Joss. He's a doctor and I said to him, I said, come on, 
Jude was on strike for almost nine months. University teaching hospital just. He comes to my house. He's one of the young men I'm discipling. And I say to him, as a doctor, do you care that patients are dying in the hospital and you are on strike because you're fighting for your right with government? I know you doctors, you swear an oath to save life. He said, Brother, you don't understand. These government people, they don't hear any language. It's only strike. So and so, everything we agree, they will not do it. Everything we agree, they will not. I said, the Nigerian Medical Association, or the Nigerian Medical and Dental Association, I said, you people are Christians, though. There is a better way to do this thing. I said, but you've not answered my question. You're happy staying at home? Of course, he works in a private hospital. But he doesn't go to teaching hospital. And poor people can't afford the fees in, in, in private hospitals, so they are dying on a daily basis. Lives that could have been saved. I say, what have you people as Christians brought into Nigerian Medical Association? Are you people not Christians? Do you think if Jesus is a member of Nigerian Medical Association, you people will be going on all these strikes? He said, we are not just going outside because of our salary. We don't even have equipment. This, this, this is so we are justified. I said, you, you are not yet reasoning with the mind of Christ. I'm asking you a question. You don't answer me. He said, have you people had a real Christian who is the president of NMA? I said, I'm going to ask you to get involved. Because you people don't even get involved. They just tell you go on strike, you go on strike. They just tell you go on strike, you go on strike. So I say to them, there are better ways. You are dealing with a government that is irresponsible. Nigerian government is very irresponsible government. Whether at federal or state level. Like I say, it's only Nigeria people work at the end of the month. There's no money to pay them salaries. I say to them, have you people really asked God, what should we do? I say, many people are dying that ought to have been alive. If this strike was not on. I said go and pray. God will give you an answer. I don't have all the answer. But I don't believe any time you disagree with God. You down your tools. Do you know the value of life? Didn't you hear that Jesus was going about doing good? Jesus was heavily anointed. Went about doing good. Do you like that poor people can't pay medical fees in private hospitals? Die because there is no teaching hospital functioning. Universities will close, strike. Hospitals will close, strike. Polytechnics will close, strike. What kind of a country is this? Is work all about your welfare? Is work all about equipment? See, you don't understand. We do surgery with lantern and the rechargeable light. Common generators is not working in teaching hospitals. Bravery, you don't understand. I say, I know. Your CMD is a doctor. You must be responsible. Not to make sure there are generators to be on when you are doing surgery in the theater. But we are sent into that place to work. Conflict is not an excuse not to do your work. I want to say with all humility, I don't have an answer to that. But I want those of you who work in medical say, start praying. How do we influence our labor unions 
for the sake of saving lives, strike is not always the answer when we disagree with our employers. If it's other things I can understand, but life is involved in this one. He went for that to say, teaching them not to pilfer, pilfering. What is pilfering? Stealing. Stealing. Don't steal. Don't steal. Many companies have been run down in this country. It's stealing. When I was growing up, there was Volkswagen plant in Badagri, Lagos. It's dead. No Volkswagen plant again. Those of you in Enugu, is Ananko still existing? Ananko is dead. <laughs> you know, in Bauchu, we have stair that produce tractors and all those things. It's dead. Almost every Peugeot in Kaduna is haphazardly surviving. Every day, government puts in money because federal government owns it. Companies die because workers kill it by stealing. Our roads are bad because civil servants eat the money for building roads and maintaining roads. Our environment is dirty and filthy. The waste management, they can't keep our streets clean. Educational standard is bad. Our universities is like, is like glorified secondary schools. No equipment, no research things, nothing. Why? Because the rectors, the vice chancellors, the registrars, they sit down. The problem in Nigeria is not money. It's not that government is not giving a number. Even the one government is giving is not well utilized. And you work in the polytechnic, in the university, money is given to your department. There's a Christian uncle of mine, also by the name Professor Ike. He's not, his own name is Professor Eugene Ike, who is a professor of uh, medical lab sciences. He works with the University of Chiefs. He told me his stories. Because he was so good, the standard he raised there, there are this thing we call APIN. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's an organization they give grants for HIV research. There was money coming into this. And this uncle will insist. He does not award contracts for equipment. He travels to see the equipment. Check it and buys it and puts it. He so much developed the place. When the Oyibo was giving the money, came they couldn't believe because they had been giving money to other things. They abused. They were so, they now made it an international place. So when the thing became an international, money was still coming. The man was not chopping the money. These colleagues ganged up with him and did what? And went to the VC, made all manner of claims. They removed him as a professor. Meanwhile, while he was there. As the head of that place, he has sent three of his staff to go and do PhDs. Two overseas, one at, uh, at ABU Zaria. He was developing younger ones to take over from him. They went and brought one woman who has only a master's degree. Because he's an evil man, we must remove him. They're not eating the money. Mediocrity. This is a country where we sacrifice merit to, to, to mediocrity. In less than two years, they killed that place. The funding stopped. It has ended. And patients who are coming over Nigeria because it's a center of excellence can no longer be treated. That's how we kill our country. For some people, work is how much, what is the need for me? What is the need? Uh -uh, that's not Christianity. If you're a member of the kingdom, you are thinking of the kingdom. God wants to use my work to save lives, to improve life, 
to develop Nigeria, to transform society. And what was the last thing he told them? He also said, apart from a pilfering, he also told them that they should do what? He says, by doing all these, you will make the doctrine of our God Savior in all things. You make it attractive. What is Paul saying? You says, when your attitude at work, when you exhibit integrity at work, your work life becomes an advert for the gospel. Your guys will ask, why do you do your work the way you do it? Why are you not working like others? Your motivation does not come from the fact that you are paid well or not paid well. Your motivation comes from the fact that you are a son of the kingdom. I am working for the Lord Jesus Christ. I read a book many years ago about a story. I think it was a, um, this mission agency, the Great Commission. They wrote a story about work, testimonies about work life. This lady in a company in Kenya, she was a cleaner, doing everything. And people looked down on her, nobody even greased her. Maltreated and, of course, you are a cleaner. What can a cleaner, what value are you adding to this? Just to clean the floor and clean toilet and this. So people looked down on her, abused her, insulted her. She would be doing her job joyfully. Clean everywhere, everywhere is sparkling. This thing continued for years. Pay her peanuts. Nothing. Because she's not a degree holder. Maybe just ordinary wire. Nothing. So one day, her story came up. And the chief executive was wondering, when he comes to this office, everywhere is sparkling, who is actually in charge of uh, cleaning of this place? So, they have to tell her, the woman, they brought the poor woman. They thanked her for her job. The CMD says that of all observation, that it is only the cleaning that's the best done job in the company. All other things are not done well. And they asked this woman, what is your motivation? And that company does not pay well. People always leave that company. After six months, one year, she has been there for over ten years. And they asked her what? He said, look, I don't really like this job. This job does not pay me well. My problem is not that I know, but people think I don't mean anything. But he said, because I'm a Christian, in Christ Jesus, I love this work. Because this work, I'm not doing it for you people. I'm doing it for my Lord Jesus. Jesus pays me. That's why I do this job for him. Our work attitude and work life is an advert for the faith we have in Christ. That woman was celebrated without a certificate. They promoted and gave her positions above even some graduates. The company recognized her work and recognized her faith in Christ. That my faith in Christ changes my attitude to work. I cannot walk like the unbelievers who don't know God. We don't have the same faith. We don't belong to the same kingdom. And to prove this, see where she picked her inspiration. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Where that poor lady, cleaner, cleaning toilets, 
clean office every time every one, one hour he come and mop the floor. People come in and dirty everywhere. She will come and mop it, smiling and singing. At the end of the month, they pay her peanuts, but she was joyful at her work. Why? Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24. Are we there? Colossians 3, let me read. 22 actually. Bond servants, obey all things your masters, obey all things according to your masters to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity and in fear of God, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for your service in the Lord Jesus. Because he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. He said to workers, the kingdom of the world is an oppressive kingdom. Where employers maltreat their employees because they are powerless. You think somebody working for you, you are doing him or her a favor. But it is that work he or she is doing that is making your company to prosper. And then you feel like you are God over your employees. You don't pay them on time. You don't pay them well. They work all their life. They can't improve their life working for you. And yet you maltreat them. But Paul said to them, teach those Christians. Even when you are not treated well, even when your minimum wage is 18,000 naira, do your work as unto the Lord, not as men. Because God is your real Reward. You know, companies and government pay you at the end of the month. God does not pay at the end of the month. God blesses. God does not pay at the end of the month. It's not salary that God pays. God does not pay salary. God blesses us. God will turn that your little income to be enough for all your needs. And you meet all your needs in life. God will take away every troubles in life that takes money away from you. God is not a company owner. God is not a new state government or federal government. God does not pay at the end of the month. God blesses his people. I want you to know that God is your employer. You are working for God. Not for any state government. God is your real boss. Even though human beings pay you salary at the end of the month, God is your real chief executive. Why? When we work like this, we advance the kingdom of God. I'll give you three stories from the Bible and then we pray. The only sense of this sermon is our work is spiritual. It's not secular. If you are an accountant in a company, God is the accountant through you. And that reminds me, I take you to the story of a brother from our school. We, each time we go for alumni meeting, he works with state government in Imo State. I will tell him, brother, how do you survive all the corruption in government office? In, not only he works in government house. This was a long time ago. He said, when they ask him to prepare estimates or budget for anything, he will do it right. Honest estimate. And when he brings it, the thing is uh, one million, they will say, uh, go back, go and increase it. 
He will say, please, this is the cost. I've gone to market. I've made my search. This is the cost. They say, no, we are not taking this. Make it as zero in front. Make it 10 million. Say, no, I can't make it. Then he immediately say, oh, God, please. I'm an accountant. I've done my job as an accountant. Please accept it. If you want to add zeros, you can take it and add the zeros. But my Christian faith and conscience will not allow me to bring a budget of 10 million for something that worth 1 million. Feel free, I've done my job as a professional. If you want to add zeros, add as many zeros as you want. That's why in Nigeria, government contract is the most expensive in Nigeria than anywhere in the world. Every government contract is inflated to cheat, to eat money. That brother worked in government for over 15 years. And by the time he was finishing, he didn't own a house. Some of his colleagues in two years, they have built house. Everything. But when God wanted to give him a house, God gave him a beautiful house in Aladima Estate, a bungalow. And God used the government, government house to settle him. He didn't steal to get it. But he waited for 15 years to get it and get it in righteousness. Others get it in two years. Civil servants are the mo- most corrupt people in Nigeria. It's not politicians. Civil servants. You don't do anything until somebody gives you money. Go to Abuja. They say civil servants don't own money. 60% of all the exotics are owned by civil servants. I saw something that grieved my heart. I went to visit a brother living in CBM quarters in Abuja area 11. Very small estate like this. Not up to 50 flats. I was counting. There was over 150 jeeps packed in that place. Some of them, what I have made, my nobody is driving it. So when I asked my brother, this brother is from Bielsa. So I asked him, he's a knife associate. Ask me, say, lad, say, these things, they are the reward for inflated contracts. Because they don't want to be caught taking the money through the bank. So they will use it and go and buy a jeep and come and park. A civil servant is driving three jeeps. A civil, and he says civil servants are nowhere paid. Where does he get money to maintain three jeeps? And they are waiting for somebody to buy. How, how will someone buy a tear rubber jeep that is 15 million naira? It's only big men that can have. And those big men already have. So they can buy. So the cars are packed there wasting. Some of them have not been driven for six months. On, on Sunday, all of them go to church. Their work is secular. God is not a part of their work. So they can take bribe and corruption. If God is a part of your work, you can't take bribe, you can't take anything. Do your work. You remember Daniel? He served three kings. He served Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, and Cyrus. He went to exile at the age of 18. And after Daniel chapter 6, he was already 80 years. When he was made the overall, the king said because Daniel had an excellent spirit, he made him the overall prime minister, serving others. So the other ones were jealous and angry. And they planned, how can we be here and this man, you know, an ordinary Jew who came out and said, we are the sons of the soil. This is our country. 
and this man who came from 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 Israel will come and rule all the day. The Bible said they looked for opportunity to nail him. They did not find. In all his professional conduct, there was no fault. In your work life is their fault. Can your colleague say this brother, this woman is an excellent civil servant. She does her job well. When they couldn't find any opportunity to nail him, they went and tricked the king. King, make a law because they know the man doesn't joke with his faith. Do your colleagues know you that you don't joke with your faith? They knew Daniel that his faith is number one. Seek ye first the kingdom. He doesn't joke with his faith. He prays always. And he said, God, there is one man here. He prays to man. It's not to you. He's praying. Make a law. Anybody who prays to anybody except than you should be thrown into the den of the... And you know kings, governors. You know all these big men in government. I pity them. People around them manipulate them. Some of the evil governors do. They don't even know. Is their special assistant this, special assistant that, chief of staff this, that. They don't even know what happens around them. They don't know. All these big men, they are slaves. That's how they trick that king to make a law to destroy his best staff. So, the man kept praying. Nothing matters to him like his face. And when they are ready, the Bible said the king was devastated. He was devastated. He didn't know that this is about Daniel. He didn't know. Daniel, the king, was an idol worshipper. Daniel was a worshipper of God. But that is an idol worshiper who recognized that Daniel had an excellent spirit. I want to make him the overall leader of my kingdom so that my kingdom will not suffer. Look, do you know that both corrupt, wicked, and terrible people, if they want their business to be secure, they look for Christians they can trust. Do you know that before? When it comes to something that touches their empire, they don't want to lose it. They can do any kind of political appointment, but they want something that can secure them. They know those that can be trusted. The king made Daniel overall minister. So when they brought Daniel, his hands were tied. The people saw that he was sad. They reminded him, the law of patient media, you don't revoke it. Is not subject to amendment. Please throw the man to the den of lions. And so when they threw him in the morning, the Bible says in the morning, the whole king throughout the night he didn't sleep. He ran out. Daniel, Daniel, has your God whom you serve delivered him? That's my high point in that passage. An idol king recognized he has a star. That serve the living God. Do they know who the God you serve in your workplace? Integrity in the workplace. Do your colleagues know the God you serve? When we sit to discuss how to do things, you just agree with them. You don't raise objection. And yet you claim to be a Christian. Do your office member, your business partners know the God you serve? When it comes to business, you can do anything. After all that the church you need is a big tithe. You bring tithe here for us to preach the gospel of the kingdom when you are not living the lifestyle of the kingdom. 
your business partners, do they know the God you serve? And if they do, they will respect you. Do you know that unbelievers respect true Christians? When they see them, they know them. This one is no go area. They don't mess up with you. They know you are a threat to them. They are safe for leaving you alone. Those people who schemed for Daniel ended up being meat for the, for the lion. They would have allowed Daniel to be a godly man and govern that nation. Jealousy took them over. And by the way, I want to remind you that when you start working with integrity, it's not only reward and recognition you will get. You will get persecution. Daniel was persecuted for working well. Joseph was persecuted for working well. He became so powerful in Potiphar's house. He became everything. He was rewarded by position and promotion. But the devil set a trap through Potiphar's wife. And he went to prison for integrity's sake. You know, Joseph could have cornered Potiphar's wife and enjoyed her without Potiphar knowing. Potiphar was a general in the army. Soldiers don't stay. They're always going for wanting. They don't even stand for Wife of soldiers are one of the most lonely women on earth. Is the truth about their profession. But you know if Joseph had done that, he's gone. We won't be talking about him today. Men and women of integrity, they live beyond their generation. Their life speaks to generations thousands of years. We are talking of Joseph almost 5,000 years back. We are talking of Daniel almost 3,000 years back. Can people talk about you after you retire from your workplace? Can they cry and say, we miss this man, we miss this woman? If she was still head of department here, this nonsense will not be happening. If she was still in this unit, things will be better. Brothers and sisters, our work is spiritual. I want to challenge you to work as a member of the kingdom. And so, finally, my conclusion is this. The church of Jesus Christ advances the kingdom of God in the workplace. You see, we are church gathered now. What did we gather to do? To worship and to hear God. The church is like a filling station. You know, you go in there, you fill your tank, and you drive for five or six days, he gets empty, you come and fill it again. That's what we've come to church to do. We come to worship God, and we come. God will fill us up with his word. And we go and deploy it in the workplace. The church is also like a mechanic workshop. We come to church for God to repair and fix our lives. So that we can go out and serve him in the workplace. The church is most powerful in the workplace, not inside church. Not inside church. We are more powerful in the workplace. That is where the church should be salt and light. We don't need to be salt here or light. It is in the world where there is darkness, we need light. It is in the world where there is decay and corruption, we need salt. And Jesus said, if the salt loses its salt, saltiness, it becomes what? Useless. People don't have respect for Christians again. They can't see any difference with us. The only reason is that we go to church on Sunday morning. They go to play football or watch film. I mean, when we come on Monday, it's the same value, the same attitude, 
the same commit the, the same like a physical attitude to work. There's no difference. When the church is scattered, you know, wait a market, how many market in INT, in a suit, in, in, in government ministry of work, ministry of communication, ministry of finance, when we are scattered, we take over the kingdom of this world and make it the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like yeast. The yeast metaphor. You know the yeast? When you put it, those of you who bake, when you put the yeast, it makes the flour to do what? Increase. So, the kingdom of God is, has a power of penetration. How do we penetrate the world? Through our work. Of all the people working, sitting down here, the whole of Enugu is covered. Every arm of ministry of government is covered. The executive, the judiciary, the legislature, all the ministries, all the banking industries, companies producing entrepreneurs, students, schools, everything is covered here. We penetrate the world through our work. May the Lord of work help you to understand that your work is important to his kingdom. And we do not work to earn a living. We work to advance the kingdom of God. Stand up for us to pray. This morning I want us to pray. When we talk about call, it is not only pastors that are called. It is not only the clergy. God is calling some of us to serve him a civil servant. It is a calling to be a civil servant. It is a calling to be a businessman, a businesswoman for the kingdom of God. It is a calling to be a mechanic, a tailor, a welder, a tailor for the kingdom of God. It is a calling to be an engineer, a nurse, a teacher, it is a calling to be a pharmacist, a lawyer, a judge. Will you be somewhere working for the Lord? It's not in the four walls of a church that we work for the Lord alone. There is work that takes place in the church. Like this morning I say, the church is a mechanic workshop. Where we come, God fixes our lives. God uses the men of God and women of God that are called to service our lives through worship and teaching. But the greatest work for the Lord is done in the world. Can you say, Lord, help me to understand that my work is a calling. My business is a calling. Being a student is a calling. I'm a student for the kingdom of God. Can you talk to God? Every one of us is called and sent into the world. God has called us. To be community leaders is a calling. Oh, that the kingdom of God will be advanced because of your integrity. Because of my integrity. People will see the beauty of Jesus in the way we walk. Our motivation for work comes from the fact that my work is for the kingdom of God. I am not working for men. Two men pay me salary at the end of the month. My God pays me with daily blessings. 
Maybe first and foremost, this message calls for repentance. Remember the Bible said, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God. How have you been walking? Maybe you need to ask God for forgiveness. Lord, I've been a part of Nigeria's problem. I've been a part of the corruption, incompetence, nepotism. I've been a part of the wickedness and oppression and atrocities that goes on in this nation through my work. I didn't even know it. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, pity me and repent in dust and ashes. Maybe you start by repenting and say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't know how much my work means to you. I didn't know how much my career means to you. This morning, I want to challenge us to make a commitment in our hearts. Lord, henceforth, I dedicate my career to you. I dedicate my business to you. I will work for your kingdom. Lord, may my work attract people to you. May my work subdue my place of work. There is hope for Nigeria if Christians walk as if they are walking unto the Lord. Nigeria will be changed overnight. The workplace is the biggest mission field anywhere in the world. There are over 70 million Nigerians at work every day in government, in their personal businesses, in company. Tell me any tribe in Nigeria that is up to 17 million. The workplace is the largest mission field. And that's where we need to shine as light and as salt. Can you say, Lord, I am ready. I am ready to be light in my workplace. I am ready to be salt in my workplace. I am ready. If you are here and you are a labor employer and you don't take good care of your workers, the Bible says, laborer is worthy of his wage. And if you don't pay him his wage, he cries out to God. God will hear him and deal with you. Are you part of the employers that uh, people who work with you are like slaves? They can never amount to anything in life working for you. They will die poor. They will die undeveloped. The work they do for you does not improve their life. You have a business and you have people serving you year in, year out. You don't reward them for hard work. You don't recognize their contribution to advance your business. You are not like God. God blesses those who work for him. Can you start repenting this morning? We can take the world through our work. The great commission will be accomplished through our work life. Father, I want to thank you this morning. We have heard your word. We have heard your word. Lord, I ask that your word we've heard this morning will not return to you void. But it will accomplish the reason and purpose for which you send it forth. Lord, I pray for every one of us here that as we by the time we come to the end of this service and go back, may this message ring in their heart every day. As they wake up every day to go for their business, to go to work, Holy Spirit, remind them you to be a godly worker. Remind them that as teachers, they are teaching for you. 
Remind them as civil servants. They are serving your kingdom, not Nigeria. Remind them as businessmen and women. They are doing business for the kingdom. Lord, I pray that the seed of your word sown this morning will bring healing to our souls. It will bring forth repentance from ungodly work stars. And it will produce integrity of heart in our workplace. Lord, may your word we've had this morning purify our motives for work. Change our attitude to work. Let Nigeria, let Enugu State experience transformation by the reason of these Christians standing here this morning. As they go to work tomorrow, Monday, henceforth, to the end of year, to the end of their lives, may the power of righteousness be unleashed in every working place in this city. By the reason of all those this morning, may Enugu become subdued by righteousness and justice in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I ask of you, like Joseph that was recognized by integrity and hard work and rewarded, like Daniel that was recognized by hard work and rewarded, may these ones also be rewarded. Even when jealousy and, and schemes of the devil will be raised against them for their stand for righteousness, Cause them to persevere until the time when you're going to lift them up. Thank you, Father. Because the light of the gospel will shine in our workplaces in Enugu State. The salt of the gospel will sweeten our rotten work environments because of this ones today. Father, receive the glory. Receive the honor. And Lord, I pray in case there is anyone here who have been Faithful. Exhibiting integrity in the workplace. And he or she is being severely persecuted. Like Daniel was persecuted. He even went to lion's den. But he came out of lion's den. And still remained prime minister. Lord, I ask for anyone going through trial of faith. Going through persecution. Because of his or her stand on righteousness in the workplace. I receive help for each one of them. In the name of Jesus. I ask that you make them strong on the inside. Lord, sustain their strength in righteousness. Teach them to be patient until the day of their exaltation will come. For no one serves the Lord in vain. The Lord is not unrighteous to forget our labors of love. I pray for a day of reckoning. Just like a day of reckoning came for Mordecai. He served and saved the life of the king. Nobody recognized him in the king's palace. But a time came you recognized him. And you made him to ride on the king's horse. So shall it be to any one of us here. Who have been covered or blocked from becoming what he or she ought to be by merit. I ask that their day of reckoning will come. And people shall see the reward of God and know that it pays to serve Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, so many people may have come to church expecting the word of God for a situation in their life. Today, someone may not have touched that situation. But whatever that situation is, Father, you are a good God.
I ask that you, every desire in the heart of anyone here, that is in line with the will and plan of God for our lives, every need, desperate need, that people came with to church, I ask, Lord, that you meet those needs. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, let those needs be met, that your name be glorified, that your children may know indeed they serve a good God. And Lord, as you do it, take the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. We are still praying. You want to surrender your life to Jesus? You want the peace he gives? You want the excellent spirit he gives? You want also to live a right every day in public and in secret with a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. This is the time that you respond to him. Can you rise? Just raise your hand where you are. Father, I want the spirit to bear witness with my spirit that I belong to you. I want to change from whom I am really that I may be able to reflect out. I have lived in my own self. I want Lord to embrace even the lifestyle that Jesus gives. That's my decision now. Old or young, repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am here for you. I have been in my old life, in my old nature, in the life in which my parents gave birth to me. And there has been no change in me. I have been born of the flesh. I am still flesh. This morning, I want to be born of the Spirit. I know I'm a sinner. And my sins are before me. Big or small. My ways of life till now. This morning, with my whole heart, I sincerely repent. I sincerely depart from them. I sincerely turn back to you. And I ask you, Jesus, who paid the price for my sins on the cross of Calvary and shed your blood for my sake, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my past. Cleanse me of my sins and give me the power to live for you from today onwards. Make manifest the witness and the evidence that I am your child. Thank you as you hear me. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, as many as receive you today who believe in you, who know that they are not in the nature in which your children ought to be. Your spirit has not yet borne witness that they now belong to you, apart from belonging to their earthly parents and families. And this morning, they have answered the call. None was forced. None was cursed. Your spirit prompted them, and they have opened their hearts. Lord, some are young. Lord, some are older. Lord, they are not too young. But they understand their names. They understand their nature. And they understand the call of the Spirit upon their heart. Father, as they sincerely, consciously, willingly ask you to come into their lives. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. And whosoever believes in the heart unto righteousness. 
and calls upon you in salvation, Lord, you will save. According to your word, let this be the portion now in the name of Jesus. Father, grant them a time of refreshing. Let the old pass away. Let all things become new. Let the witness that they belong to you now be alive, evident, and at work in their lives one by one in the name of Jesus. Grant them the peace that passes all understanding. Grant them, Lord, the joy that overwhelms every other thing. And grant their names written in the book of life. And Father, let them be engrafted into the kingdom of your dear son. And from now, let a new nature, let a new seed that you have planted, the incorruptible seed, that of Christ, reign in their lives and every day keep them on the path of the kingdom of righteousness, of grace, of peace, of joy, and being a pride to heaven and a blessing where they are found in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, as you answer and glorify your name in them. In Jesus' name we pray.